Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Life Point Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. Guys, how are you doing? feel that the next time we will see each other, it will be in the midst of Christmas trees and singing carols to one another. Yes. Yes, yes. Next week, uh, you will be uh, filled with much thanks and thanksgiving as you give thanks over your turkey. Yes, and then in two weeks, we will be back and we will be in full... Christmas swing, okay? There's gonna be some super fun stuff coming out. You're not gonna wanna miss it. I love Christmas. My house is already pre-decorated in Christmas mode. It's a bit trippy. Normally we decorate after Thanksgiving. How many of you are before Thanksgiving Christmas decorators? All right, all right. How many after Thanksgiving Christmas decorators? True, traditionalists. Normally I'm in that camp too. Uh, This year my mom convinced me that we had to decorate prior to and I, I feel a little weird. I need some turkey first. Anybody need some turkey this week? Next week? Well, it's super good to be with you guys. My name is Courtney. Um, I am one of the leaders that gets the opportunity to hang out with you guys. I get the fun job tonight of uh, teaching you the word. We're gonna uh, open up the scriptures this evening and talk about what God has to say to us. Um, If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet in your regular tender, you've probably heard me. I'm the one that laughs like a hyena. Um, I've been told that I would make a very great supervillain. I'm not upset by that, actually. So, um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, all you need to know is that I am a ginger who is a nerd, um, and I love the Bible. That's pretty much it. It's not, my life is not that exciting. So, and I laugh loud. You'll, you'll find that out eventually. Um, but today, um, we are, we're coming to a close in our book of, uh, of First Thessalonians, Um, I've heard it said that the way that you say goodbye is just as important as the way that you say hello, right? We we know about first impressions. Your first impression makes a big difference on what people think of you, but you know, your final impression is just as important. When you think about people in your life, maybe someone who is no longer in your everyday life, maybe someone moved away, a good friend, what what are the things you think about? You think about how, what was the first place we met? Like, what did I think when I first met you, right? Most people, uh, you think of that, those first encounters. How many of you is like best friend, um, your first impression of them was like, not gonna be friends with that person. Anybody? So true, right? My two best friends, I was just like, oh, nope, that's not gonna happen. And then we're like best friends for life, right? Uh, but, you know, people who have maybe left your life, like let's say you, you know, you've moved or something, uh, you always think about, what's the last thing you said to that person? You know, you, what, what was the last memory you have of that person? And you, you look upon those memories with fondness, right? Those first and final impressions are really important. I've talked to some of you, and some of you have recently moved to the area, right? You've recently experienced this sense of goodbye, right? The sense of leaving. Um, some of you who are seniors, how many you know when you're a senior, it's like, it's the last everything, right? Like this is the last time I will open up my locker on the 12th Tuesday of the year. <laughs> this is the last time that I will spit gum into that garbage can, right? It's like everything is the last, it's the final goodbye. You have to like dwell in all the last moments. Um, when you, you know, get into college, you're gonna make friends and then college ends and you're like, oh, like how do I say goodbye to all these people? I've always been very, very terrible at goodbyes. Anybody else terrible goodbyers? What is a terrible goodbye? I like, I think what happens is I have like a self-defense mechanism where I don't wanna feel the pain of losing whoever is leaving, you know? And so I do one of two things. Either I act like that they're never leaving and so I just act like nothing's happening, like they're like, I'm leaving and like, four days and I'm like, well, I'll see you next week. <laughs> you know, I just like act like they're never leaving that way I don't feel it. Or I do the opposite where I act like they're already gone. They're like, hey, do you wanna go get coffee next week? And I'm like, who are you? 
They're like, I'm leaving in a month. I still have some time. I'm like, nah, I just, the calendar's full. Yeah, like, I don't know why. I can't, like, I can't, uh, I can't lean into that tension of that goodbye. There's something in a goodbye that has this sense of, like, pain because you're losing a relationship and this sense of urgency. It never fails that, you know, in either side of my denial, whether I'm denying that they're here or they're already gone, uh, after that person has left, I finally remember everything I wanted to say to them, right? Yeah, I'm just like, no, I should have told them this, and I never told them how I really felt about them, and, and I never told them that I actually liked them, and they were like my best friend for seven years, you know? Like, all these last things, like I didn't get in the last word, and, and there's that urgency of like, when you know somebody is leaving, your life, you're like, I have to make sure I tell them this. Like, they need to know this. Like, they can't leave without me saying this, you know? I, all of our, you know, seniors, you're like saying goodbye to all your friends, they're graduating, you're like, oh, I need to make sure they know this, and that I've said these things to you. And tonight, we have a goodbye. Not a person, it's a book. First Thessalonians, we're saying goodbye to First Thessalonians, and Contrary to my nature, we're going to do our best to say goodbye well. Um, but also, more than that, Paul, who wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians, the letter rather, is saying goodbye to the, first Thess- to the Thessalonians, the 1 Thessalonians. He's saying goodbye to all the Thessalonians. And he wants to make sure that he says everything he needs to say. He doesn't want to be like, oh, I forgot this and I forgot this. He's going he's gonna to wrap it all up, everything that he said. He's gonna wrap it all up. He's gonna make sure he says every last word. And, and what a journey that Paul has been on with these Thessalonians. I mean, we started back in Acts chapter 17 when we hear the story of Paul coming to the city of Thessalonica. And he starts meeting these people. And what, what they soon were, uh, they were once strangers, they soon became family. Right? He began to eat dinner with them and sit around the table together, and they're like passing the hummus back and forth. I love hummus. Uh, and then they're, they're just eating lamb together, and they're hanging out, and they suddenly become family, and he spends three weeks with them, and it's one of those situations where it's like, you know those people, when you like look at them, you're like, I feel like I've known you my whole life, and they're like, it's been five days. You know? It's like, no, but I feel like I've known you my whole life. Right? This is Paul with the Thessalonians. He becomes like a father to them, he loves them, he's so close to them. And he's seen God do some amazing things in their life. Right, for those three weeks that he was with these people that quickly became family, he's he's teaching them the gospel. He's teaching them about Jesus, and he sees God do these incredible things. He sees God take them from the kingdom of darkness, like we learned last week, into the kingdom of light, and he's seeing them change their lives around, and they wanna follow Jesus, and they, they receive this message from men, right? This gospel from Paul. And then the worst happens at this violent rabble mob comes and they're so upset because they say, Paul, I love this phrase, these men are turning the world upside down. Right, the gospel comes to this town and they're like, they're turning our town upside down and they like get their pitchforks and their fire things, <laughs> torches, thank you. <laughs> and they like come after them and Paul gets like violently kicked out of town and he goes, oh no, like what is gonna happen to them? Like we brought them the gospel, this is what we saw the first week. He's like, I brought them a message, but now they're receiving persecution. And he's, he's been kicked out of town. And this isn't like the day of today. Like, he's not going to go on his, like, snap story and be like, oh, yep, they had more hummus without me. Oh, what? They killed, like, that lamb? That was my favorite lamb, right? He's like, they're not watching the snap story. There's no post on Instagram. He has no idea what's happening to this church. He's like, I just, man, these are like, oh, I love these people like my kids. They're like my brothers and my sisters. They, they were following Jesus, but now they're being persecuted. And so, as we saw, he sent Timothy. He's like, Tim, go, figure out how they're doing, right back and report. So Timothy goes, and he, he sees them, and he comes back, and he's like, Paul, you'll never guess. They're still standing. Like, in the midst of the worst situation ever, in the midst of persecution, they still love Jesus. There's a church, and we see that the gospel was working in them, and it was working through them, and Paul is like ecstatic. Like, 
Oh man, even in the midst of them daily being persecuted for believing in Jesus, like this church is standing and he's overwhelmed with joy that his, his brothers and sisters, his family are following Jesus. And so he begins to continue to teach. And what he teaches them is that we're on this road called holiness, right? We learned about this. And how, how do we live on this road to holiness he said that God is continually sanctifying you. It's a big, fancy word that just means God is continually transforming you to look more like Jesus. And he says, this is how we live as we wait for this day. We walk on this road to holiness as we wait for the day of Christ. He's continuing to teach them. And then we come to where we are today. And he's going to say goodbye. But before he hangs up the phone, before he says goodbye, he's, got, he's like, I got a final thing to say. Like, I can't leave you without saying this thing. It's like your mom that is like leaving the house, you know, the first time your mom leaves you home alone. Um, and she's like, okay, don't beat up your brother. Like call 911 if anything happens, please make sure to feed the dog. There's like sticky notes all over the house. My mom always stuck it either on the fridge or the TV because it's the only two things we would look at in the house. Um, it was like the final note, like before he leaves the house, like make sure you do this and don't forget this. And like, oh, oh, make sure that you don't, you know, leave the stove on. I have done that many times. Um, and and here, here we go. We're going to look at what Paul's final, final words are. He, what he has to say to the church with his final strokes of his pen um, will inform everything they're doing. They're going to ask, he's going to say, this is how you keep walking. Long after I'm gone, and I'm not writing to you anymore. This is how you keep walking in the faith. And what we're gonna see tonight is these things that Paul is telling us to keep walking. This is how we keep walking. Like how, how do you keep walking? How do you keep walking in your faith? If you've made the decision to follow Jesus and if God has transformed you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, how do you keep walking? Right now we have the great privilege to be together. Maybe you're in middle school and you're like, how do I walk with Jesus through middle school? Maybe you're a high schooler you're like, how do I walk with Jesus through high school? But one, a day is coming, and it always happens faster than you think, where you will graduate high school, you will go on with your life, and this that we're experiencing right now, right today, won't be here. Long after I'm gone, long after Sam's gone, how do you keep walking? Long after your leaders and your pastors that you know now aren't in your life anymore, how do you keep walking for Jesus? Paul's gonna tell us in his final words. Let's open it up together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. This is what he says. He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Now. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Here we go. Paul's final words here, and he just did it like a spit storm of like verb vomiting. That's my new favorite phrase, right? He's like, right before he leaves, right? It's just like I said, it's like the mom who's leaving the house. She's like, make sure you do this and do this and do this. He's like telling us all these things we should do. He's like verb vomiting all over us of like what we, what we need to do here. And this first chunk that we see here, uh, he's, he's telling us to do something. I mean, when, when a man uses 17 verbs in like a short amount of time, he is urgent. He wants us to do something. So what does he want us to do? How, how do we keep walking? Let's look at verse 12 again. He says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. 
When Paul is telling us how to walk, how do we continue in this faith journey, he starts with something that feels a little peculiar. He tells us to love our leaders. Right, he's talking about these people that are laboring among them and over them. These are the people, the leaders of the church who are teaching them and training them and guiding them. And he says, he says esteem them highly in love because of their work for you. Love, we've seen. Uh, love has been a major theme that Paul has talked to us about in this letter, about loving one another. He opens the letter and says, I've recognized your labor of love. He says, I want you to increase in love for one another. And, he, and, and later he says, oh, concerning brotherly love, I want you to do it more and more. Like Paul is hammering that we are to love one another. And we see that uh, he's asking them to love their leaders. There's people on this journey with us, on our journey of faith, as we learn how to walk. And one of those people are your spiritual leaders, your spiritual authorities. We have a very, uh, maybe strange and peculiar culture here as citizens, but one of our core values is that we, uh, we value godly leadership in our life, right? We embrace godly authority. And it feels weird, right, in a culture where it's super individual, like I am my own authority. Um, but I want you to know, guys, that our heart is the same as Paul has said here. Right, he said, I, we desire to not only share our faith with you, but our lives as well. Paul is laboring in love for them. And as you look around this room, you'll see a various amounts of adults, perhaps they're wearing a red lanyard. And you may have wondered, like, why are they here? Right, because we love you guys. We love you, we want to see you grow. And here's the thing, we take our labor of love, our job, our literal job, very seriously. Right, Hebrews uh, tells us that we will answer to the Lord for the way that we guide and lead each and every one of you. Do you know that means that we pray for you? When someone tells me they're praying for me, I get a really great comfort. <laughs> and I want you to know that we pray for you regularly. Like we pray for you by name. We love you guys. And it's more than just, oh, like, oh, we embrace authority because they love us. But just like when uh, a baby is born, right? Sam's used this illustration before. When a baby is born, right, you can't have a, a, a baby by, by itself, right? Whatever the, you know, the functionality of that family is a baby is born into a family, it has parents, and they teach it how to grow. And uh, my favorite phrase from a mom was, uh, it's so frustrating to teach a human how to live. <laughs> and it's like so true, that's what parenting is. It's like, this is how you eat the food, and this is how you swallow, and like, this is, breathe, child, breathe, right? And you're like teaching the basics of like how to teach this child to live. And, and that's what happens in Christianity. When a new Christian is born, when a baby Christian is born, you have spiritual parents. And they teach us like the ways of God, they teach us the scriptures, they teach us the word. And this is why we embrace godly authority in our lives. And Paul, he says, one of the ways of how you walk is you love your leaders, you love your spiritual authorities. And right now, it's pretty easy, right? We're together, we're in this community together, and as you uh, grow and you, you know, leave us and you uh, move on to other areas of your life, um, be involved in a church, right? Be involved um, in a place where you have good spiritual authority over you. And then there's this weird piece in this text where he says, you know, esteem your leaders very highly, and then he says this final phrase here, he says, be at peace with one another. He says, be at peace with one another. The church, us, citizens, man, we should be marked we should be known for in our community by people who are at peace with one another. You'll see this really weird thing, and it's like we are allergic to passive aggression, right? We're allergic to the like, uh-huh, right. Right, we're allergic to the, the, the secret conflicts that are happening. When there's a conflict happening, like we are quick to confess when we've hurt one another. We're, uh, we're quick to say, man, I, 
I wronged you, like I sinned against you. And we're quick to forgive. We don't let conflict sit on the surface. If the space between you and I is not clear, we lean into conflict because we realize that this peace, this reconciliation, this togetherness, this unity of the church is what we're called to be. And it's funny that he puts us in this context of leadership because uh, here it's much easier for your leaders to uh, teach you and train you and to guide you when they don't have to fight tensions and conflicts amongst each other, right? As we live in peace with one another, we, we submit to godly authority as we learn and as we, as we grow in his word. We're only two verses in to Paul's verb vomiting, <laughs> and he has a lot more to say. He has uh, a lot more, he has, he's like adding sticky notes to the TV. It's like, um, you know, after your mom has left and she keeps like texting you text messages, she's like, oh, I forgot. Like, I have a lasagna in the fridge. I wish I had a lasagna in the fridge right now. Uh, put it in the oven, right? And she, oh, and don't forget like that, uh, to switch your laundry around and like just these final like text messages and you're like, mom, I get it. I know how to live by myself, right? And so he's like, he's throwing these final these, these further verbs at us. Let's, let's see what he says. Verse 14. He says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from what is evil. We're coming to the end of this letter and we're saying how do we walk, how do we continue to walk? When Paul, when we no longer have Paul continually teaching us and training us, when, when this authority is out of our life, how do, how do we walk? And we saw that the first thing he tells us is that we love our leaders but here, in these next uh, chunk of verses, he's telling us to strive together toward holiness. Right, we have those leaders in our lives, and what we do is we love and respect them, we esteem them, we honor them, but there's some other people on this journey with us, and they're like sitting right next to you. <laughs> right, together, God has built his community, his church, and we are striving together towards this holiness. There's this line here um, that we read, that as you read it, you should have felt a little like deja vu. You should have been like, whoa, I've heard this before. Where did I hear this before? Look at verse uh, 18. In verse 18, he says this. He says, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. If you've been tracking with us in this book, you're like, I've heard this somewhere. Where did I hear it? Verse, or chapter, or chapter four, verse three. He says, for this is the will of God. Ah, oh, there it is. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Again, this sanctification is this work that the, the Spirit is doing in us to make us look more like Jesus every day. And so this chunk is talking to us about our sanctification and about being more like God and being more like Jesus. And as we uh, look at these things, we realize that there's a lot of people involved in this sanctification. It's not like I'm on my own personal spiritual journey. Um, the first thing we see is that, uh, that we're on this sanctification journey together. Do you realize that your neighbor, the person sitting next to you, uh, has been given to you as a gift? What? Like, that's a terrible Christmas present. <laughs> right? Your neighbor, the person sitting next to you on your right and your left, behind you, in front of you, in this room, they've been given as a gift to you. Imagine if we thought about each other that way and not like, oh, that's that person that I really want to, like, think I'm awesome. Or, oh, that's that person that, like, really annoys me and I try to stay away from them, right? No, your neighbor is your gift and here's how they are a gift to you. God has given us one another. God has put you and I, you and your neighbor together in this community together to be a source of sanctification, to be a source of causing one another 
to look like Jesus more and more, to love Jesus more and more. Look what um, Paul asks us to do for one another. He says, we urge you brothers to admonish the idol. Like, mm, admonish, yes, indeed. I don't know what that means, right? <laughs> uh, admonish the idol, what he's saying here is to uh, challenge the undisciplined to be disciplined. You're like, that is, feels really good. It does not feel good, right? He, he's saying, oh, uh, the undisciplined among you, like, challenge the other to be disciplined. Like, we, we encourage one another to, like, man, are, are you regularly, like, in your word? Like, do you spend more time on social media than you do, like, praying <laughs> or reading your word. Like we challenge you to be disciplined. Like, do you sleep until 3 p.m. on the weekend? Like, <laughs> like, do you have disciplines in your life, right? We challenge each other to be better. What else? He says, encourage the faint-hearted to help the weak. If you were uh, in your school, um, let's say tomorrow, and your friend was like carrying a giant like mahogany, I don't know why mahogany, it just feels like a really heavy wood, um, <laughs> like a mahogany desk down the hallway all by their onesie. Like if they were like holding this like giant desk like on their shoulder all by themselves and they're like literally like being crushed under the weight, like they're like crawling from under the desk, are you just gonna be like, wow, good job. Mm -hmm. You are super rocking that. No, right? You're gonna be like, oh my gosh, please do not die by mahogany. And you like pick up the other side of the desk, right? Wouldn't you, are you guys cold hearted? No, okay. You would pick up the other side of the desk. Right, these words here, this uh, encourage the faint hearted, like strengthen the weak. Like he's, there are, um, there are brothers and sisters in this room that it's a metaphorical mahogany desk, but there are, are being buried under the weight of things in their life. We all know what it means to be carrying a burden, right? To be sitting under something that feels so heavy that you can't even like think of a solution to get out from underneath it. And God has given each other, he's given your neighbor to you as a gift to help carry those burdens, to pick up that other side of the desk. I mean, it goes two ways, right? When you're, when you're sitting under a, a desk, <laughs> when you're being crushed on our way, it's good to holler, like, please help. Um, but like, it's also on us to like, look around and see like, man, who is in here that's being crushed under the weight of their life? Like, how can I pick up the other side of the desk? Like, how can I help them? How can I strengthen them? How can I encourage someone this week? In your greetings, it's not like, hey, how's it going? Great. Right, I'm so bad at that, right? Leaning into and be like, no, really, like, how is your week? Like, is there anything I can pray for you about? So he tells us to encourage one another, to be disciplined people, to strengthen one another. And then I love this, be patient with them all. Uh, this year, I became a plant parent. It's very exciting. Uh, his name is Seb, Sebastian the aloe succulent. I like to call him my sebulent. Um, <laughs> and uh, he takes forever to grow, okay? I like ask anyone who's been in my office more than once, I just like stare at him like, grow, grow. And because he's an aloe, any of you ever know an aloe, right? For a ginger who gets sunburnt, aloes are very valuable because um, you can just lob off a branch and like rub it on your burnt skin. Um, they're great, aloes are awesome, but he's so small that if I lob off a branch, he's gonna die, right? So I'm just like, grow, Seb, grow. I like speak nice things to him. I read him poetry, um, <laughs> right? And he still grows really slow. We know <laughs> that uh, growth is slow. It takes time for things to grow, right? Including humans, and maybe not physically, because kids grow really fast, but like maturity-wise, humans take a bit to grow. And so I love this. He says, be patient with them all. In the midst of this, like challenging them to be disciplined, encouraging them, he says, be patient with them all. Be patient with one another. Your neighbor will sin against you and they will confess and you'll forgive them. And they will sin against you and they will confess and you will forgive them. And we will be patient. We will be patient with each other as we grow. And then he closes out with saying, 
of, of this section, he says that we seek to do good to one another. And all these things, um, we don't heap evil upon evil. We don't fight uh, wrongs with retribution. We don't uh, give in to vengeance, but we seek to do good to one another. <clears throat> so we strive together in holiness, right? Your neighbor has been given to you as a gift in your life by God in order for you to grow and to glorify him more. But there's also a bit of like a personal responsibility here. There's a personal um, sense. There's an individual work that God is sanctifying us. Look at this, verse 16. It's like the trifecta of the Christian life. He says these three things. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. This is a great like measuring point like, uh, I don't know if you, like, we didn't do this in my house. I've always was really jealous. But um, you know how they do, like, the, the marker on, the, like, the wall when the kids are growing? Yeah? Yeah. I always want to do that. My mom never did that. I never knew how tall I grew. I, probably because I wasn't going to get very tall. Um, but, uh, like, this is one of those things. It's one of those measuring lines. These three things, like, am I rejoicing always? Am I praying without ceasing? Am I giving thanks in all circumstances? Right now, it's easy to give thanks. We're coming up on the Thanksgiving, and people do that. Well, maybe it's just the old people on my Facebook now, but the whole, <laughs> the whole like daily Thanksgiving thing, you know, where every day you say something you're thankful for. See, it doesn't land here. It's just the old people on Facebook, <laughs> right? But we're thinking through the things uh, that we're thankful for, right? But uh, is your life, if someone was to go, hmm, if I was to describe, uh, you right now, I would say, man, that person is just always full of joy, right? No matter what's happening in their life, they're just so joyful. Or this person's like, man, this is a prayerful person. Like when that person says that they're praying for me, I know that they're not lying to me. They're praying for me. Or like, man, this person, like, I never hear them complain. They're always so thankful. Like they're thankful for everything. Even when something goes wrong, they're like, man, thank you. It's not worse than it is, right? They're just thankful for everything. Man, and I, I would love myself, I would love us to be these kinds of people that in whatever circumstance. Now, now note that Paul is writing this to the Thessalonians who, hello, are in the middle of persecution from their city. And it's not, I mean, you, perhaps if you're a Christian, have faced a little bit of like tension, some animosity when you're saying you're a Christian, people are like, ooh, really, ooh, right? But this kind of per persecution is intense and it's physical, right? And he's saying that giving thanks in all circumstances, rejoicing, they're still joyful in the middle of their persecution. And they continue to pray without ceasing. I, I was always confused about this idea of praying without ceasing. Like, am I at all times supposed to be like, dear Lord, thank you for my alarm clock going off. Not that thankful, but thank you, right? Like, am I supposed to be praying at all times? And it's become an understanding to me that it is a, like, ongoing awareness of God's presence in your life. This ongoing open dialogue with God at all times of the day. So when you're on your way to school, you're like, Lord, help me to have the right mindset as I walk into this class. Help me not to be cranky, Right? In the middle of a test, you're like, Lord, have mercy, right? How <laughs> we get through this test, right? This is constant open dialogue. It's always, um, uh, I tend to be a little bit self-sufficient, like I can handle me type of thing. And so when a problem comes, I love to be the solution maker. Like a problem happens, I'm like, I got it. Everything's falling apart, but I got it, right? <laughs> but it's a change to say when something crazy happens, we're like, God, like you've got this, like help me in this, like turning to God in those circumstances. So as we're striving together towards holiness, this is, this is how we are walking the walk, but we've, we're missing a person. We're missing a piece of this. He says he's given us one another. Um, we work in our own lives to be people who are being sanctified, but there's a really important um, key player in our sanctification and us becoming more like Jesus. That if he's not there, it's all useless. Let's look at it. Verse 19. Paul says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. What does this mean? Um, 
We have been given one another as a gift, but the Lord has also gifted us with his presence, right? He's gifted us with the Holy Spirit. And this Spirit, uh, his Holy Spirit teaches us and he trains us and he, he makes us look more like Jesus every day. And um, there are moments in our life, if you're a Christian, right? You said that you follow Jesus. I, I'm sure you've experienced those moments where you can feel that like sense of the Spirit's presence in, in your heart, right? And guiding you in certain aspects of your life, like, mm, maybe don't go there. Or like, mm, uh, you probably shouldn't say that. Or, uh, probably don't click on that website. Or, mm, maybe you shouldn't follow that Instagram account. Or, and you just like feel this like pressing like guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. And sometimes we want to shut that voice up. Right, you're like, Lord, not right now, okay? Like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, or like, oh, like, oh, like I really wanna like talk crap about this girl right now, oh, and the Spirit's like, no, and you're like, oh, but I really want to, right? We were, like, we're so tempted to like quench the Spirit, to like shut him up, like, Lord, not right now, like talk to me later, like when I'm not dealing with this, right? And he's saying, don't, like lean into that. It hurts sometimes, but lean into that because the Spirit is shaping you, and then, he says, don't despise prophecies. And when we look at that word, we think like, ooh, he's gonna pull out the crystal ball, right? I'm just reading through the Harry Potter series right now. Um, this might not land very well, but there's like a whole room of like prophecies and there's like these little globes of like stuff that is happening. We're like, oh, is this it? Like, is he predicting the future? Is this the crystal ball of future? And that's not what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about prophecies. It's talking about the word of the Lord, which the most definite and uh, firm word that we have is, of course, our scriptures, right? The written word of God. Um, but because, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit lives within Christians, like oftentimes um, the Lord speaks to us through another person. Like he will often uh, speak to us through one another. Like how many times have you been talking to a leader in this room and they just like say something or they pinpoint something in your life and you're like, ooh, yep, that's it. That's exactly it, right? Or sometime when you're sitting here and you know Sam is preaching or maybe on a Sunday morning and one of our pastors are preaching and they say something and you're like, oh, I feel that. Like, oh man, that hurts so good, right? It's like, the wor- like his word and, and is pressing in on your heart. And uh, sometimes those words don't feel good. Sometimes it is good. Like those moments where like God just really like impresses on you. Like you are loved, like you're cared for. You're like, ooh, I receive that. But then sometimes it's like, you know what? You're trying to be God right now, and you're not a good God. You're like, I don't like that one. <laughs> or like, oh, you know what? You're making this an idol in your life, or you love this more than God. And he presses on those things, and you're like, ah, oh, I don't like it. He says, don't despise that. Don't shut that down. Don't shut that out. Like, lean into what the Spirit is doing in your life. And then he follows it up with this last piece this is from the word of God, you know, in, that you hear in your own heart and the word of God from others. He says, uh, but to test everything, hold fast to what is good and abstain from what is evil. Like I so said, sometimes in our life we feel like, man, I feel like God is leading me this direction or I sense him this direction or someone will be like, man, I, I, I feel like God is doing this in your life, right? The way that we know that we, we take all of those impressions and all those senses and we, we line it up to this and we say, does this agree with who God's character is? Does this agree with what he says about himself? Does this agree with uh, what the Bible teaches us? And as you test it, you keep all that is good and you stay away from all that is evil. So here we are. Paul has thoroughly word vomited upon us, (laughs) verb vomited upon us. And he's saying, make sure you do all these things, all these things. We're like, how do we walk? Like, Paul, when you leave us, like, how do we walk? And he says, okay, okay, here, don't forget these things. Like, love your leaders, like, respect them, honor them. He says, strive together in holiness. Work together to be more like Jesus. This is how we walk the road. This is how we walk the road of holiness as we're leading up to the day of Christ and we will stand before Christ this is how we walk blameless. So when we stand before Christ, we're, we are holy and blameless. And so the message on this first half is really clear. He says, walk in holiness. Like, progress, move, strive. Like, sometimes we're like walking through the mud. Like, walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. But if you've noticed, Paul doesn't close 
yet. He's not quite done yet. He hasn't said his adieu. He hasn't signed off his name at the end. He's not done yet. And oftentimes in our Christianity, um, this is where we pause. Sometimes you might experience uh, Christianity where it's, this is where it feels like this long to-do list, right? Paul gave us like 17 verbs. We're like, I got a 17-part checklist of how to be a good Christian, right? Like, I got to follow all of these things. And, and he's like, yes, strive for holiness. Um, but there's a piece missing that if we lose this last piece, then we're nothing but a hamster running in a wheel till it dies, I don't know why they always run. They just keep running. I had like seven hamsters growing up. <laughs> and it feels purposeless, right? They just run in circles. And this, this last thing that Paul has to say to us changes everything we've just read, right? It, it influences, it, it, it turns the right lights on everything that we just read. And it's not a bunch of verbs. It's not a to-do list. He prays. He prays for the Thessalonians, and this is what he says. <clears throat> he says, now, now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We've seen a lot of human responsibility in this first half. As we're looking at how we walk, he says, love your leaders. He says, strive together in holiness, but, but don't forget to rest in Jesus. Don't forget to rest in Jesus, to hope in Jesus. We are blind fools if we think that we can stand before the creator of the universe at the day of Christ by our own efforts and our own works and be blameless and holy. If there's one thing we can depend on in this life, it's that we will fail. That humans always fail. It's like, it's part of our nature, it's who we are. We will always fail. And we can exert every amount of energy to follow this biblical checklist. We can do our best. We can post this up on our wall. We can see what we're supposed to do every single day. And he says, yes, walk in holiness, but it's all useless if you don't rest in Jesus. Humans will fail. We will fail one another. We will fail ourselves but there's one who will not fail. And it's the God of peace who himself will sanctify you completely, who will transform you to look more like Jesus completely. And it's he who calls you, he is faithful, and he will surely do it. There's this strange balance where we look at these two pieces and we say, okay, I gotta um, walk in holiness, I gotta strive together. Like Paul is obviously telling us to walk, right? So what, how do I rest in Jesus? Um, in high school, I, I took AP classes. Are there any AP takers in here? It, AP has been recently swamped by Running Start, but uh, which I kind of wish I had done. Although I've never done anything so hard as AP classes that by the time I got to college, I was like, this is easy, right? Uh, AP classes are super difficult. And one thing I learned about AP and really college board tests in general, if any of you have to take like the SAT or ACT, um, uh, it's not necessarily about how much you know, it's like how much your teacher can prepare you to take the test. Right, so I learned very, very quickly that my success in an AP program depended highly on the teacher. My um, first AP class was AP Bio, and I had a first-time teacher, first time teaching this class, and I was furious. So much so, I was at Mountain View that I would go to Union and sit in on their Bio classes because Burr, Burris, 
Thank you. Uh, I was like, wait, this is going historical there. Um, he is the best bio teacher in the district, right? And I was like, I need to learn from a good teacher. But I had um, a teacher at Mountain View who was the best. He was like chair on the AP board. Um, he knows AP tests in and out. He would be like, this is what you need to do to get a three, which is a passing grade. And this is what you need to get a five, which is like, all-star, right? And I'd be like, yes. And so there's this weird thing where I'm like, okay, like I have a good teacher that he will prepare me for the test. I know that when I sit down in that quiet classroom, I'm not allowed to do anything but work on this piece of paper that I will pass because my teacher has trained me and taught me well. He's told me exactly what I need to do. But does that mean like I didn't study or didn't do my homework? No, no, there's so much work. AP classes are so much work. You have an entire like year full of information, like textbooks this big that you have to like regurgitate in 30 minutes, right? And you're like, okay. So I like studied hard and I did exactly what he told me to do. He's like, do study all of this. And then if you want to do super awesome, study all of this. I'm like, oh, okay. So like study all of that. And I study all of that, right? And I managed to uh, do really, really well. And everyone wanted to be in, if anyone has Plit, if they're at Mountain View, Plit, oh, he's the best. Um, they all wanna be in his classes because he's never had a student fail, right? They always, like, he passes all of his students. Not because he's like, I'll pass you, but because he has trained them well for the day of the test. And this kind of reminds me a little bit about what Paul is saying here. We have a sure and guaranteed teacher that as we follow Jesus, as we follow Jesus, he will teach us well, he will train us, he will prepare us for the day of Christ. As we stand before God, he will see Christ's blameless record, but we also walk in holiness. We continue to strive, we continue to work, we do all that Jesus has commanded us, we do all that his word has commanded us, and we rest in the fact that he who calls us is faithful and he will surely do it. There's something interesting about rest. I'm not very good at rest, Um, but rest has this interesting thing with it called trust. If you don't believe me, um, sit on a hammock. Like what? Um, If you don't trust that your hammock is going to hold you, you're not gonna rest on it. Anybody? You following me? I mean, like, we had some rickety hammocks back in the day, and <laughs> uh, I don't know what our final number was. I think we managed to fit, like, 15 people in the hammock. 15's the limit. It's down, right? <laughs> but I'm, like, super cautious when I get into a hammock. You know, I'm just like, oh, like, I don't want to, like, flip out on the other side, right? There's this, like, trusting that involves with rest. Like, every time that you lay your head down at your pillow every night, you are engaging in an act of trust, You're trusting that no humans in your house are going to disturb you or mess with you while you're sleeping. You trust that (laughs) your doors will remain locked and that there will be no intruders. If you've been watching Stranger Things, you might be having nightmares about those things. (laughs) Right? But every time you go to sleep at night, you are trusting, you are resting and that trusting that you will be safe. I still think it's the strangest thing that humans go unconscious for eight hours. It's the bizarrest thing to me, but it's an act of trust. And this is what we do. As Christians, we are people who work hard. We strive hard towards holiness. We admonish the idol. We encourage each other to be disciplined. Um, We work to be grateful and people full of joy. Um, But at the end of the day, we also rest hard. And we rest in the fact that Jesus will work in us, that he will transform us, that I don't have to muscle my way to heaven, but Jesus is doing it in me. He is working it in me. So we walk in holiness. These are Paul's final words. He says, walk in holiness and rest in Jesus. And here he sends us off. After he prays for the Thessalonians, he sends us off with these final words. He says, brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Verse 27, this is fun. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. Do you realize how cool that is? Like, this was written in first century, like, Greco-Roman era, 
and we are here in uh, 2017 in North America on a completely different continent, and we're still reading this to one another. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a little bit like, whoa? Like, I charge you to read this before all the brothers. We did it. We read it together. And finally, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And Paul's final words with sticky notes all over the house and final text messages and like, don't forget this. He says, love your leaders. Strive together in holiness and hope in Jesus. So we will walk in holiness and we will rest in Jesus. We will pray. We will continue to be sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we will walk in grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus every day. As we conclude, I want um, us to think about these three areas that Paul has given us. Um, this, these three themes that have been spoken about through the whole book of Thessalonians, these three things, love, holiness, and hope. And let us, in this time, as we will begin to respond to God's word, um, where are these areas that I need the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that I need the one who is faithful to work this in me? Perhaps it's love. Perhaps you're like me and you're like, Lord, would you please widen my heart? Would you allow more love in my heart? Would you allow me to give more love? Um, perhaps it's a moment of holiness and you find yourself struggling on the road to holiness. And you're like, I just can't get over this, right? I just can't stop doing these things. God's given one another for that. He's given you the spirit to work that in you. And then, I don't know if there's any like perpetual strivers in here. <laughs> what I mean is like people who work themselves to death, I'm one of them, where the hope in Jesus part is one of the hardest, where I want to work, work, and work very hard for the Lord, and I need to rest and hope in Jesus. Let's think about these three things as we begin to respond. The band can come up, and we're gonna prepare to, to think through these things of, Lord, like, do I love well? Am I striving in holiness and am I hoping in Jesus? And as we conclude, I want to pray for us, but I wanna pray the words of Paul. So we're gonna read Paul's prayer to us again in verses 23 and 24. And we will receive Paul's prayer as a prayer in our own hearts as well. It says, now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it challenges us, that it changes us, that we are transformed by your word, that we look at it and we study it and we come out different. But God, I thank you for the faithfulness of who you are, that you will sanctify us, that you will transform us. You are faithful and you will do it. God, we will strive in our holiness to be children, to live like the children that we are in the kingdom of the light. And we will continue to rest in what Jesus has done for us. We pray all these things in your